doesn't matter whether your trip is good, whether they catch a lot of fish, whether they get a lot of photos, whether they have a horrible time. There's one thing that every client does at the end of their trip, and that's talk. Welcome to Fish Nerds, the celebration of fish, fishing, and eating fish that is always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Nate Hill of Hill Country Guides at www.whitemountainflyfishing.com, and here are the Fish Nerds. Thanks. <laughs> All right, I'm Clay, and today we talk about fish, fishing, and eating fish, and anything is fair game, and it's a good bet that waiting for winter will make me want to change hobbies to something else that's more boring, like waiting for food to cook in a crock pot, or watching grass grow, or paint dry, or fish grow, or whatever else you might want to do. Uh, and today we're hanging out with Nate Hill. Nate Hill is a licensed New Hampshire fishing guide, owner of Hill Country Guides, right? Yep. Am I getting it right? You got it. Uh, if you're visiting New Hampshire and want a great fly guide, Nate, your guy, go to www. WhiteMountainFlyFishing.com Right. It's worth the drive to the White Mountains. There's more to do here besides shopping. Fishing is one of the one of the draws. They're shopping here? That's the number one draw to the Mount Washington Valley is shopping. <laughs> I would think fishing, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. No one cares about the mountains anymore. So this is part three in our series of Becoming a Fishing Guide. We're going to chat the business of guiding today. We're going to talk about how does one make a living in this terrible fishing business. Um, and that's why Nate's here, because he's figured some stuff out, and maybe we can learn a thing or two as we get going. This series is sponsored by New Hampshire Outdoor Learning Center, nhoutdoorlearning.com. This is where I went to guide school. And to be honest, there is no chance I would have passed New Hampshire's guide exam without going to guide school. Scott Jackson will teach you everything you need to know to pass New Hampshire's rigorous oral boards. He also will make sure you're an expert outdoorsman, and that's uh, pretty much a requirement for becoming a, uh, a guide. Speaking of which, Nate, I, I've always liked talking to you about guide school, and I, I want you to get, not guide school, <laughs> actually, nothing with guide school at all, but New Hampshire has a very rigorous guide program. Yeah. It's new in the last few years. Yep. Uh, it used to be pretty easy, I guess, to be a guide in the well, state. Well, I don't think it was ever easy it was comparably it was, it was easier <laughs> easier yeah. yeah and i say maine yeah. is one of the hardest well maine maine maine's model is the model that new hampshire's new test is based off of so we're we're trying to be maine right right and what do you think about this well you know i've guided in other states um and a lot of other states have different every state has a different protocol when it comes to becoming a guide but new hampshire and maine are are known as the toughest in the country. And <clears throat> I guess that's, you know, good if you want to toot your own horn and say, I'm a, I got my Maine guides license or New Hampshire guides license. But for the economy of the state, I think, mm, I think it could maybe restrict the amount of guiding that can get done in the state. Um, now, do you think there's enough um, customers in New Hampshire to, to have more guides? There's 80, there's 80 guides in New Hampshire right now. Yeah. Most are, don't guide at all, right? Right. And I think that's, that's kind of what you don't see is that, you know, if there were 80 very active guides, I think there'd be plenty of people to pick up the demand. Um, but, you know, I, I run my own guide business. I have two guys working for me and I'm trying to find a, other guides to work for me. And it's it's tough to get people licensed when the state only tests twice a year. 
Um, and it's tough if somebody doesn't pass the test because then they got to wait six months to take the test again and they got to take three tests now, right? Or two. It's two tests. So it's a written 80 question uh, exam, which is pretty easy. Right. And, and weird. Like a lot of yeah, questions. Like, have... what, what, what duck has a green feather on its right wing? Yeah. Like bizarre, yeah. bizarre, meaningless questions in the business of guiding. <laughs> uh, you would expect it all to be safety questions. Like that's my expectation. Yeah, safety and, that, and, and that's what I think stuff, is right? important. And I definitely, and that's where I wanted to go is, I, I mean, obviously I think there's information, things that people should need to know to be a guide. And as a guide who hires other guides, I, take my guides out and fish with them multiple times before I, you know, book them for trips and just to make sure that they meet the requirements I have for a guy, which is in my mind, a little different than what the state requires. I, I require my guides to have really good people skills as well as knowing how to catch fish. Well, that, you know, it's um, funny you say it because every single guide I speak to tells me fishing guiding is not about fishing. It's a customer service job. It's about yep. making people happy. Yeah, I, I'd say it's it's mostly that you know if you can't catch fish, you're not going to make it. But if right. you can't, <laughs> if you can catch fish and you can't work with a wide range of personalities, you're not going to make it either. So right. it's a it's a meshing of both, and I think that's what makes it tough. Is there's plenty of people out there who are really into fishing and can go out and catch fish on their own, but can they get you know a seven year old and his mom to catch a few fish and have a good time and and stay safe, you know, and that's, that's what the, what makes it a, a business. <laughs> that's the challenge. Yeah. That's the challenge. So, uh, well, thank you for that, that insight. The, uh, the, so the, yeah, New Hampshire guide test was, was very challenging. And I, I agree with you, by the way, the biggest drawback, I, I don't mind the test so much. Like I actually, on a personal level, a barrier to entry to be able to wear that patch and, and yeah. have the bragging rights and say, okay, yeah. I've got a skill set. I've earned, you know, exactly. you can trust me because I earned this. But the twice a year is a terrible drawback. Yeah, it just seems – and I think part of the problem is the state's trying to, you know – they've got – how many people were at your test? Three. Uh, what do you mean? In like the in test? the oral or the oral board. How many people... how many How many people was the state paying to be there? Three. <laughs> Three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that they're trying to save money and only having these tests certain dates so they don't have to pay. Well, you they know. just have the model backwards. Here's the model. Yeah. If you pass the test – and you buy your guide license, you pay a hundred dollars. Right. If you do, that is what it is. Right? If you do not pass the test, you pay zero dollars. What if they said it costs a hundred dollars to take the test? Right. And we're going to test six people a day. Right. There's their money. Right. It's, it it can pay for itself. They just right. have their funding backwards. That's my my. Yeah, opinion. I think you're right. Because yeah. I have a partner, Vinny, is going to go into business with me. He runs Ben and Jerry's ice cream shop. He cannot take the guide test in summertime. Because he's, he's he's slammed. He's slammed. So the next testing day is late February. We're opening an ice fishing business this month. Yeah. He can't work right until right. the end of the season. And if he fails. Then he can't work again until next year. Until next year. Yep. So he can't. First of all, he's better friggin' pass a test because I'm patient for this. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you never know. It, I mean, the, the, the test, like, you know, we talked about off camera, off, <laughs> off mic. Off mic. Is... Uh, it's subjective in some ways. And I think that, um, you know, you can take the, the course and, and know your stuff. But if, if one of the testers doesn't like the way you answer something, they can fail you on anything they want to. And that's, what's frustrating to me is I would just, I, I don't mind the testing. And, and if it, if it's twice a year, I, I don't love it, but 
the, the biggest thing that, that gets to me a little bit is I just would like a clear explanation to the people who take it. If they don't pass, what do they need to work on? And, and um, yeah, I've just had personal experience where that, that wasn't clearly articulated to some candidates. Oh, no, I'm so. curious. I, that makes me want to talk to someone who's failed the test and see if they yeah. went line by line. Here's where you messed up because that would be helpful. Yeah, well, I, I know one individual who said they did one, not do that. Same yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He said that they just kind of said, you just got to think outside the box more. And I'm I'm sure there's there's some legitimacy to whatever they were speaking of, but if they could just, I don't know, articulate. Well, and they, they, Isn't that the point of taking a test is to know where you're at and yeah. to know yeah, well, that's what we... Well, the other thing is thinking outside the box is one thing, but when the box keeps moving... <laughs> Right, so they set up these scenarios. It's like playing Dungeons and Dragons. Were you a D and D? See, I haven't taken. I I oh. took the test when I was when it was just the written exam. So oh. I haven't taken. That would the, be easy. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I kind of grandfathered in now. You're, um, you're so yeah. You're I, I'd be. I, I hate to like like I almost like wouldn't you want just to see if you yeah, could pass it? I'm not going to go for no, it. No, because why would you? Why would I might you? I might try to do the main test someday. But yeah. I, right now, I don't have any need to. I have plenty of business in New Hampshire. So. Yeah, I, yeah, that's uh, that's a whole other game, right? <laughs> so yeah, but I, I I'd be curious about uh, about if a lot of the guides who grandfathered in could pass the oral boards now because they do a lot of things like they'll set you up with a lost. We'll, we'll say a scenario like uh, you know, a guy's walking out in the woods with you. He steps on steps on a bee's nest. The bees all sting him. What do you do? And then you ask questions yeah. back. You know, okay, well, is he having a reaction? Is he doing this? And you know, and yeah, that that's what I think makes it a tough a tough test. It. Is you, you've got to in a real situation, you're just going to react. You're going to see what's happening. Yeah. Whereas they're asking you to to ask these follow up questions. You know, I mean, I had I had a client um, fell in the river in late October. Well, he's wearing wearing waders. So the first thing I tell him is take your waders off. And I, I gave him, I had dry clothes with me. I gave him dry clothes. And I said, if, if you start to shake, you know, we're going to cut the trip short. If you're okay, we're going to keep going. And he was fine. And um, <clears throat> I talked to a guide candidate who had a similar question on his test. And he, he said, the first thing I told the testers was I would have the guy, you know, change his clothes. And they said, well, what about taking his waders off? Oh, that was me. Oh, that was you. You and I had this conversation. Okay, yeah, yeah. right. So That was exactly the scenario. <laughs> so, and I'm like, well, that's how, so you, get, that's how you take your pants right. off. Like, so obviously you would. Yeah, but they've got like, check boxes in their little yeah. clipboards. And one of the check boxes is take your waders off. And mine was change your clothes. Right. Which to me is how right. do you get your pants off? But they want to hear the exact phrasing. Yeah, and, and see, that's, that's right. where I think you know it may not be accurate to how you'd respond in, in a real situation. Like obviously – if I was taking the test and I might not have thought, I might have said take his clothes off thinking in my head, logically, that would include waiters. Well, it does. <laughs> it does. By the way, yeah. I'd be impressed with someone who could take their pants off without getting the waiters oh, that off. That would be impressive. That's a good move. So, by the way, if anyone wants to give it a shot, put a video up on fishners.com. We'd love to see it. So, just <laughs> send it to us. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, it's, a great, it's a great thing. So, um, but... Uh, I want to hear what your business looks like. First of all, when you started the business, did you have a business plan mm. written or did you just go and hang a shingle and start selling trips? Yeah, it's funny. You, you, when we talked before this this meeting, you were like, oh, I just want to know about your business plan. And I'm like, what, what, what was my business plan? Because yeah. I kind of, um, you know, it started for me as a hobby. Like a lot of, I think, people start 
doing what they really like is at a, as a hobby, right? So guiding as a hobby. Yeah, guiding as a mm-hmm. hobby. And I was guiding for North Country Angler. Um, the first year I guided, they had me doing about 20 trips. Um, and then... That's a lot for part-time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the shop has been around for a long time, you know, and um, and when I fell into it, I was kind of at a point where they didn't, they had lost a couple guides who moved away. So I kind of fell into the head guide position the first year. The owner was doing probably close to as many trips as I was, but he was running a shop. So, you know, if he could do a trip, he'd do it. But if he couldn't, he it was to me. Um, and then, you know, I was doing that every summer. I was teaching high school full time. And as I, as I continued to guide every summer, I saw my, I saw the business increasing and, um, it got to the point where the the shop owner was getting older and he said, listen, Nate, you know, you're doing so much business. We're going to need to buy more gear. You know, we don't feel like it's worth our time to, to try to book all these trips, pay gear, pay your insurance. Do you want to just take over the guiding aspect of the whole shop? So that's that's where I started my own website. You know, just as a backup in case, because I didn't know if the shop would continue on. If they sold, you know, and I didn't have a website, and they sold it to somebody who was going to run a ski shop or something different, then I'd be kind of out of any publicity. So I started my own website, and the shop started kind of bouncing people to my website for guiding and. Uh, from there, I was able to kind of write my own fishing reports, and then I, you know, as as the business increased, I I, I saw that I had a potential to to actually do it full time, and that's when I decided I I needed to do more than just guide families in the summer, and I bought a boat, and I guess the the piece that you were asking, what was your business model? Well, I I realized that. If I got a raft, I could guide on some water in in this area that nobody was guiding on, and I could increase my kind of um, span of who who I could guide because you know experienced anglers are more interested in going out in a boat and fishing big water, and so then I was able to provide that, and um, and my business increased. I think in 2014 or 2012, I did 85 trips. 2013, we did 99. That's a lot. Yeah. 2015 was 153. And that was the first year I had another guide and he did 10 trips. So I did like 143. Mm -hmm. And then this year, I just ran the numbers. We did 190 trips and I did 154. That's amazing. So, yeah. So, so it's at the point where I'm kind of getting to... I mean, I can do a couple more trips a year, maybe, mm-hmm. but this is every day from basically I'm guiding every day from June through the middle of July. And then there's little holes here or there. Maybe I get it one day off to breathe. But um, and do you make enough money in your season to get through winter? Well, that's the goal. Um, and last year, the, the other piece of, of, I guess, my, my growing business model, if you will, um, last year I started going to Arkansas mm-hmm. in the, on the White River, uh, which if you don't know about it. It's a, it's probably the best trophy brown trout river in the country. Um, people don't think of Arkansas. No, trout, never. No, anywhere but, in the South, yeah. you don't really think trout. So. But it, it comes out of uh, Bull Shoals Reservoir, one of the bigger reservoirs in the country, biggest tailwater, a tailwater being a dam that releases water from, from down deep in the, in the lake. So even though they're at a Southern latitude, um, they've got 50 degree water year round. 
and they have a ton of food in the river and the brown trout grow to world record size. They, they've shocked, electrofished mm-hmm. a world record fish. So now that you're married... Right. Sorry, ladies. He's married. Um, <laughs> now that you're married, congratulations. Last week, right? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So now you're married. Uh, you can have kids someday. Those trips are gone. <laughs> well, yes. That's a, you know. What's your, so if you want to go to Arkansas, I'm going to be going this year, and uh, we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. But, but yeah, so so the, the Arkansas piece, though, is, is more than just going there. Um, last year I went. Did a few trips this year. I've got 15 trips booked there. Um, we go in March, which is a, a kind of an in between time, as you know, for fishing in New Hampshire, and it's prime time in Arkansas. So we'll be there this March into the first week of April. Um, the cool thing about doing trips in Arkansas is that I I get clients, a lot of clients from down south in our summer. And in our fall, when it's boiling hot down there, they don't want to be in 110 degree heat fishing. So I've already seen some transfer back and forth clients. You know, we go down there when it's cold here, they come up here when it's hot there. So that's, that's the bigger, I'm trying to get my name, you know, nationalized so that we can, we can get more clients from, from other places. Well, you've hit the big time. You're on the Fish Nerds podcast. Oh, yeah. So I we mean... can, we reach everywhere except Arkansas, which is good. So, <laughs> <laughs> the worldwide. Well, then then I'm fully covered. You, you got it everywhere. So that's really interesting. It's, but you didn't go in with like a, I'm going to do this and then yeah. this and I'm going to earn all this money. You know, it's you funny because I, I kind of, I did a rough estimate of what I thought, you know, obviously I wanted to, at first, I didn't think it was possible. Um, you know, we were we were weren't charging a lot when I first started doing trips. And I was going to ask you about yeah. that. So now I see your prices on your website. It's yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah. It's not cheap, but it's you know it's it's kind of where everyone else it's is. In the zone. It's, it's in the zone. But first year out, you had a lower rate. So yeah, you... I mean when when the when the shop first started, I think they were just they hadn't updated their rates in a long time. You know, mm-hmm. so they were at you know nineteen ninety rates or whatever, and which was like what. Like one hundred and twenty dollars for a half day, one hundred and twenty dollars. Right. That's, that's a free trip. Yeah, basically. I yeah. mean, that's my expense. My uh, my expenses are higher than that <laughs> for, for a day. For a day, trip. really? Oh yeah, with lunch and gas and flies and mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it adds up. What's it's- funny? I'm working on an upcoming show, a future show. I was going to do a four part series, but I'm finding that building the business is bigger than I thought, and I want every piece to be included yeah i'm doing a whole show on the expenses oh, yeah. of being a guide yes yeah, every time i turn my computer on i'm going oh, yeah. oh, i need that i gotta yeah. pay for insurance you know, it, you know yeah and that's the biggest thing i learned going into it was <clears throat> when i was working for the shop they kind of took care of the rods and the gear um i bought my own flies but but um now with you know i got a boat you know I kind of need a new trailer. This every year, there's a big expense you don't expect. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, either it's a new new vehicle, a new boat, or a new trailer, um, or a n- new set of waders or new rods. Because um, you got to have. My thing is, I wanted to provide a top notch experience, and yeah. you need top notch gear to do that. That's my plan in future years. Yeah, first year, make some money so I can buy the yeah, better you, gear. You got to work now, your way into it. it I that. think, but I think as long as you're always, you know, on that on that movement mm-hmm. to try to Im- improve what you you're doing and what you have. I mean, it'd be a big mistake to buy top end stuff your first year out and then not, <laughs> not make any money, not make any money right. and, and then you'd be out of business. Right. Well, we'll save that. We'll have another conversation okay. about, about pricing. Cause actually I'm very curious about that. Um, but that's a whole other, another aspect. 
So going into it, though, you kind of you didn't know what to expect. Yeah, so I, I guess I, I kind of got off track there. Yeah. But I, how dare you? I, uh, <laughs> I did look at, you know, if I do X amount of trips at X price, can I make enough money to get by by doing something less serious in the winter? Like I'm ski instructing, which it's fun, but it's not. Lucrative. Seven bucks an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm trying to pull off. And, and you know, I do want to increase the amount of writing i do and the amount of fly i'm looking at designing some flies for some companies so there's oh. different ways to we have other patch things together other people in, in our podcast world who design flies and have been in magnet yeah. michael frank is a guide in north carolina cool. also a teacher yeah and, and he just got his uh his his uh flies into magazines which is cool yeah so yeah there's a lot, a lot of other ways you can make the money a lot of guides do like you said write on the side, trying to yep. to increase revenue. There's not a lot of money in writing, no. but it, it all adds. No, in. but it, it's also publicity, and that's. I mean, I'm at a point right now where I've for for the New Hampshire season, I'm almost guiding as much as I can. I mean, I'm doing 140 trips in almost as many days. So our season's from basically May through October, mm-hmm. and. I do a few trips in April and a few trips in November. This year, I did more trips in November than I ever I have. I saw that, which was yeah. rare. I mean, a lot of people yeah. are fishing November this year who I don't usually see fishing in November. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think there's always been fish to be caught in November, and I've gotten better and better at, at catching them and, and reliably. Because yeah. you, you're not going to go out there and whack fish left and right like you do in, in September, even early October. You, you, you have to know it's a different game. And yeah, and as long know. as the clients know, yeah, that's what. They're but expect. you can catch some big fish, and we mm-hmm. got a, um, I got a twenty six inch rainbow trout. I saw that. I saw so, that photo. We'll put I mean, that up at fishners dot com yeah, so people can go so take a I, look at it. It's worth the effort sometimes. It really is. Now, you did you have you ever taken a because our rivers open back up in January one. I know you usually go fishing uh, in yeah. January, but do you ever bring clients out? I haven't yet. Yeah. Um, last year I had a lot of increased Christmas week because the weather was so warm. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, that's that's something that, you know, as I get more interest, people, when people ask, I'm going to go if I think we can catch fish. Sure. But I'm not going to take somebody out if I think they're going to have a miserable time. And so we could do anything. a combo day. Yeah. You can go out, let's go fish, you know, Osby River in the morning, in the afternoon, let's ice fish Osby Lake, do a full day, two kinds of fishing, fly yeah. fishing in the morning, ice fishing in the afternoon. No, we can talk more about that. Total win, right? <laughs> Partnership. Yeah. <laughs> so, and if you ever want to come out with me. I'd love to have yeah, you. Yeah, I'd love ice. to get you out on with the fly run and see yeah. what happens. And uh, <laughs> so, but we can we and we can. I want to also. I want to explore with you tying ice flies. And, Absolutely. And fishing with our yeah, because and the and and there's like I was talking to you earlier about these horizontal flies yeah. for fishing ponds. It's basically an ice fishing style. It's exactly of fly. the same. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to compare and and look at these ice fishing jigs and tie some flies on them. Yeah, and by the way, that mop stuff, you guys made a few weeks ago at the uh, Liars and Tires yeah. group with Those the perfect yeah. white perch thing. And I started thinking Absolutely. more about them. And so they, they tied these mop, they took mop, like fuzzy mop bits, and they put them on a hook basically and tied feathers on them. Was that roughly what it is? <laughs> yeah, well, it's... No feathers, but... I don't know if you've seen the mops themselves. They're these... Microfiber Microfiber... It's it's a it's kind of like a yarn. There's a yarn material called baby blanket yarn that's mm-hmm. almost the same thing, but the mop, you know, gives it this nice um, rounded end that makes it look just like a grub. It looks or, just like a grub. I was thinking like though, big bug. I was yeah. thinking they're so absorbent 
Yeah. Right? And a lot of fish under the ice are scent-oriented. So what if you took <laughs> those things and you dip them that's, in like... That's where that's where you, you go from fly fishing to... To something else. Hey, we're on the ice. Who cares? You want to catch fish? I know. I know. But, I, but I'm just thinking. I'm always. <laughs> thinking. We always debate about. You know, yeah. is this still a fly? Because it's so. You know, it's so much like a jig. It's and, a big hunk you know, of plastic it, now. Yeah. But you know, I'm like, well, as long as it doesn't have scent, it's it's a fly. Right. But, well, yeah. so so I'm no longer talking. <laughs> no, fly, but you're you're. But they're you're absorbing. Honest, yeah. Dip yeah. it in some like oil from like a sardine can. Oh yeah. And drop that down for lake trout all day. They'll come yep. right in. So I was. Anyway. Whole other thing. So that's really insightful <laughs> yeah. stuff. I'm going to move forward here a little bit. Uh, we got to interview Tim Moore. Do you know Tim Moore? I I know the name. The name's yeah. very sounds very familiar to me, but I haven't met Tim. Tim's a Tim's a good guy. He's he's um I've been we've been doing work with Tim for years. Um, before he was Tim Moore, we we knew Tim. I interviewed him at a coffee shop a few weeks ago. I asked him about his business model of guiding. So Tim, we're going to be talking about. Um, the business of guiding. Can you tell us, just for fun, hmm. first year out of the gate, what was your business plan? I didn't have one. I didn't have one. And that's, and that's where I'm at right now with my partner. I said, you yeah. know, let's make a business plan. He goes, oh, I have a plan. You, we get go fishing. They give us money. We spend the money. Was that your plan? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I figured, you know, I'd hang, the, I'd hang a shingle and people would start beating my door down. And that didn't happen. You started off as a Seacoast Guide Service. Yep. And tell me about, so when you first launched, you, held, you hung your shingle out, Seacoast Guide Service. I've seen pictures of you at Expos, your tiny table, and little yeah. banner. Yeah. Um, tell me about getting the initial trips booked. What did that look like? Um, I practically gave them away. It was, it was tough. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Even I'd been on guided trips. I knew guides. But until you get out there and you do it and you make, you know, you make some mistakes and you, you learn. You learn what your client, because everybody's clientele, I think, is different. Everybody markets to a different clientele. And, you know, some people like now, I, you know, my clientele seems to be on the wealthier side and they, all they care about is being comfortable. If, it, if they're comfortable and they don't catch fish, it's better than being uncomfortable and catching fish. Um, but it was... Uh, yeah, it was slow. It was it was super slow. And I didn't book very many trips. I gave a lot of trips away just to get photos and get some experience. And at the end of the year, when we went over how much I'd made, it averaged to be two cents an hour. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's more than the fish nerds earn. So, <laughs> so nice job on that. So first year out, you didn't make a whole lot of money. And that, Do you think now if you could go into it knowing what you know now, if you were writing a business plan for a fishing guide, full-time guide, what would that look like? Keep your full-time job and guide whenever you can until you build a reputation and a clientele. Uh, get the word out there because word of mouth is huge. Word gets around. It's a very small industry. So if you're doing a terrible job guiding, people will know. They will know. They will know. And they'll yes. tell everybody. They tell it. That's. I've heard... Probably a hundred different guides say the same thing. Doesn't matter whether your trip is good, whether they catch a lot of fish, whether they get a lot of photos, whether they have a horrible time. There's one thing that every client does at the end of their trip, and that's talk. That's really good to know. And I like that starting off keeping your full time job. Now, you you were working at Suds and Soda when you first started guiding. I was not. You were not. Where no, were you? I owned a construction business. You owned a business, yeah. so you're not new at the business game. No. 
And did when you not launched, much better at it either. No, <laughs> when you launched your 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 uh, fishing business, did you immediately quit your construction job, or did you keep it while you were guiding? No, I, I kept it, uh, but I I stopped taking on as much work because I thought I was going to get rich guiding. Luckily, I still had the business to fall back on when I realized that I, I, I actually got to the point where I I had decided I wasn't going to be a fishing guide for a living. I was just going to do it to make enough money to buy a new fishing pole or buy a new a new gun or something like that. So each trip would just fund the next trip. You know, you get 200 yeah. bucks, I'm going to buy a new rod. I get 200 bucks and buy a new Vexilar or whatever exactly. it is. Yep. That's kind of where my model's looking like right now is yeah. is everything we earn is going to go back into buying buying new equipment. Yep. Um so then you, you left the construction to work at Suds and Soda. Did you wait till you had enough clients to support the back end of the business to do that? Uh, no. Actually, I left construction to go to college Oh, to be a wildlife biologist. Really? Did yeah. you get your degree? No. Oh. <laughs> I quit. To, I dropped out of school to be a fishing guide. No kidding. <laughs> so I, I was construction, did that for 20 years, got my guide's license, started guiding, realized within a year that I wasn't anywhere near being able to make a living doing it. And I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the equipment. You know, if you wanted to just jump into it and do it, you'd probably have to spend about $60,000 right up front. To get where you're at now. Yeah. So you, because you were initially, you were walking people out on the ice. Walk on trips on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Only, only hunting and ice fishing trips. Uh, then we've got obviously kayaks. So, and then I left construction. I went to college to be a wildlife biologist. Went to UNH. And while I was at UNH, went to work at Suds and Soda at the tackle shop and then financial aid fell through and because I got married and our income went up mm-hmm. and I was going to take a year off and try to figure out how to pay for the rest a, of my degree. I used to be a college advisor and I would advise everyone who's going to college, don't get married. Yeah. You I know? wish they'd have told me that. Especially if you're a single parent. I wish they'd have told if, me not to spend all my loan money too. Yeah. Oh, I made that mistake also. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you got to pay it all back. Yeah. 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 Um, and... So in that year of working at Suds and trying to figure out what I was going to do, that was my actually my wife said, "Are you even going to go back to school? Because your guide business has just blown up." And it was just you know it was the right the right time. Was it still Seacoast Guide Service at this time? Actually, it was when I when I rebranded to Tim Moore Outdoors is when it really blew right, up. Let's talk about rebranding because Dave and I were having this conversation a minute ago because I'm talking I'm going to use the Fish Nerd's name. He goes, "Why don't you just be Clay Groves Outdoors?" And I'm. I'm, so I, I I don't know what that means. And so you became Tim Moore Outdoors. You went from Seacoast Guide Service, Tim Moore Outdoors. Why did you do that, and what did it do for your business? Well, I was so I was building the Seacoast Guide Service brand, and at the same time, companies like Clam and Ice Team and Vexilar were building the Tim Moore Outdoors brand, or the Tim Moore brand, and they were you know putting a lot of you know emphasis and a lot of money and marketing into me as an angler. And there was always this disconnect between who I was and Seacoast Guide Service. And I would even have clients that would come fishing with me and then realize partway in that I was the guy they read about in the magazines. So I said, I'm going to rebrand, going to try to close that gap, make it all one. And as soon as I did, boom, boom. Yeah. And and it was also, um, I was eight years in. So it wasn't like I, I opened Tim Moore Outdoors and boom. It was eight years of experience plus the national exposure that I got. Right. And you get lots of that now. Yeah. You're, you're pretty like lucky. fish famous. Yeah. Legend in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> so so part of your business, now you make a living fishing. Yep. Uh, but not just fishing. 
No. Just to, no. Fishing is like when it's busy right now, the time of year when you're lake trout fishing, you're, you're booked every day. But yep. how do you make ends meet when you're not leading trips? I keep many irons in the fire. Tell us about those irons. Writing. I write for you know several different publications. I'm always. Um, it's just like it's just like construction. You can't just sit back and let the work come to you. You got to go out there and find ways to make money. So I get paid by sponsors to work in stores certain times of year, like December. There's nothing to guide for me in December. Luckily, that's the biggest in-store month for all my ice fishing companies. So I get paid on weekends to go um, and and sit in these stores and talk to people about ice fishing and products and what's new. Which is neat, too, because you're doing that, but people are meeting you, and you're also able to book trips through that yep. as well, right? So it kind yeah. of feeds it, kind of a circular feeder going on there. Yeah. So um, what does sponsorship mean for, to a fishing guide? Um, it varies. It varies widely. Because you're like, right now I'm looking at you, and you've got Clam, Vexilar, Old Town, Gemini jerseys, Ice Team, Navionics, Here's My Gear, and... Yeah, lots yeah. of other stuff on your shirt. Yep. What's all that? Is it, what does it mean? It Why varies. Uh, some of it is discounts on product, which are useful in my guide service. Mm-hmm. And some of it is free product, which is also useful in my guide Even service. It keeps useful. the overhead down. Oh, sure. And then some of them are paid sponsorships that give me a, like a cash retainer once a year or twice a year, things like that. And Just to keep you going. Mm-hmm. And would you recommend out of the gate people try to seek out sponsorships or build their business first and then seek it out or kind of find their own way how'd you do that I, I, it's it's a common sense thing i mean if you not i don't know if it doesn't sound wrong if you're a nobody in the fishing industry if nobody knows who you are and you start beating down doors saying please give me sponsorship money they're gonna say who are you we don't know who you are right so if you're if you're working in the industry i had been working in the industry for several years before i started beating on doors and i still had to beat people's doors down i beat clams door down for three years before i finally got on their process send them letters Please email me. every year. I yeah. email them every year. I'm still here. You know, my last email before I got picked up just said, I'm not going away until you tell me to go away. And that was it. And then I got picked up the following year. So it's really like a sales business. You really yeah. are just selling yourself and trying to make sure people know what you're doing. Yeah, because the whole, here's the thing. People don't, they look at pro staff positions and like, oh, I want to be a professional angler. Well, that's totally different than being a promotional staff. Right. And if if they these promotional staff is a, is a marketing tool, it's a way to sell product. And if you can't sell product for these companies, they have no interest in you because you cost them money. Right, you're costing them money. But so they looked at you, and you've got your, your Tim Moore Outdoors Guide Service. You got your Tim Moore Outdoors TV and your YouTube channel and all this all this stuff, and you leverage all that to yep. get more and more promotional stuff. Yep. And it, once you get in, it starts to build on itself. If you're smart, you know I. I think I was, you know, I made a few mistakes along the way with associations, but for the most part, you know, I, I went to Clam and then Vexilaris is very tightly partnered with Clam. And so I went to Vexilar and I was using Vexilars anyways. So, you know, that all seemed to make sense. And so there are kind of family groups of businesses mm-hmm. out there that kind of help each other out. So if you're guiding, let's say you're like me and you buy all your equipment used and you have a mishmash of equipment, <laughs> does that get you in trouble? Like, so for example, I've got Clam i got all your old clam gear, yep. which is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but I happened to pick up a bunch of used hummingbirds, ice, mm-hmm. fish, ice 35 fish finders. Now, if I'm courting clam, would I do well to sell those fish finders off and buy Vexilar so I already have this kind of match? Or would that hurt me? 
Clem won't care. They don't care. No. I mean, not that they don't care. They would love to see you using Vexilar because of that partnership. Mm -hmm. But there are Ice Team pros that don't use Vexilars. They just don't. It's not really talked about much, but, (laughs) you know, they'd much rather they were, you know, keep it in the family, so to speak. Sure. But there are, you know, some pretty big names that are Ice Team pros that that use, you know, Markham or Humminbird. Doesn't matter. It, it is what it is. Yeah, I and mean, you can't control you know. all those. There's too many, <laughs> too yeah. many variables to to keep it all straight. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, um, if you were to give like one piece of advice to someone going into guide service who wants to be a fishing guide, what would it be? I already gave it. Keep your day job. Keep your day job. All right. So yeah. I'll make sure my wife hears that. <laughs> yeah. Keep your day job until guiding interferes with your day job, and that's you'll know when it's time to leave. When I left Suds, I couldn't I couldn't juggle my schedule at Suds and my schedule uh, guiding anymore. One of them had to go. You're like working seven, eight days a week and yeah. eight days a week. Yeah. yeah. Cross, <laughs> I was cross-eyed almost every day. I was so tired Good. all the time. And my wife said, it's time. One of them's got to go. Good good advice. So, yeah. Well, cool. That's Tim from Tim Moore Outdoors. And you can find links to all Tim's stuff at fishnerds.com. All right, so thanks, Tim Moore. You can find more about Tim at timmoreoutdoors.com or on YouTube, Tim Moore Outdoors TV, or anywhere clam products are sold. I guess he's like the biggest clam pro on earth right now, so he's all, all super famous. This show is funded by you, our listeners, and we need more support. And by more support, we mean money. We need your cash. If you have a few extra bucks a month, like $4, head to patreon.com slash fishnerds and throw a dollar per episode into the hat. That money goes directly into paying to keep this show on the internet, and we honestly cannot do this show without listener support. If you donate at the $5 per show level, you'll be sent a super warm fleece-lined fish nerds beanie. I gave you one for free today, Nate. Yes, thank it's you nice, for right? that. It's nice, right? It is. Yeah, we tra- I, got, I, I gave I you a hat. Hill Country hat, too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a nice, warm winter hat. You'll get those in time for ice fishing. Um, and we have some brand new Patreon supporters, and we like to say all their names on the show. So if you want to be part of the show, throw some money in the hat. And so thank you, Michael Steffen, Akito Dan from, from I think he's from Japan, is giving us some money. Michael Crooker, who's booked a fishing trip with me already. Uh, Michael Frank, who we actually just, he's a fly fishing guy. We just talked about him a minute yeah. ago in North Carolina. He's also could be part of our show now. He's one of our new um, correspondents. And Reed Sutter. So thank you guys for your money. And um, we, we need it. So keep it coming. Go to patreon.com forward slash fishnerds or go to fishnerds.com. Look for the Patreon link and give us your dollar. Makes a, makes a difference. All right. And we bumped into Richard Yvonne from Twin Maple Outdoors who runs a, a guide service um, out in the Bangor, Maine region of Maine, he has a lodging service, and he does not just fishing guiding, but all kinds of other wilderness guides as well. And we asked him about his business model. Fishnerds.com here with Richard Yvonne from Twin Maple Outdoors. Uh, Richard, where are you located? Hi, Clay. Uh, we're located in Bradford, Maine. Which is uh, if you took a a, a a dart and you threw it at the map of Maine, we're about just about in the center of Maine, thirty miles north of Bangor. Right. Which, which by the way, Maine is huge. If people haven't been to Maine, they got to get there. It's impossible to to understand how big it is until you try to travel to Bangor. 
But, uh, you know, your guide service gets lots of attention and it's, it's a beautiful business. And what I want to ask you about is what is your business model? Do you make a full living just guiding? Uh, so what does your guide business look like? And then how do you supplement when you're not actually taking people fishing? Okay. Well, uh, basically, Clay, uh, I am a full-time guide, which kind of puts me in a, a weird position um, as far as making money. Well, uh, I try to make as much money as I can during the season, obviously, on the off-season, which I'm working on right now. Well, let's, um, let's hang on. Let's clarify, doing... let's clarify the season. You are a river guide, mostly, right? Well, I am a four-season uh, main guide. I do hunting, fishing, and recreation. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I offer, I, I do recreation with families. I do uh, waterfall hikes, ice cave hikes. Oh, uh, cool. I do tracking and, you know, I, I do nature hikes with uh, tree plant identification, you know, so it's a little of everything. I basically love the outdoors and I embrace everything that it, that Maine, Maine Outdoors has to offer, basically, is what I do. Um, yes, I do a lot of fishing. Um, you know, the, that's probably my primary is fishing because it's the longest season we have here in Maine. And then it, obviously the ice fishing is a different time of year, but it's, uh, that's, I'm, I'm trying to work on growing that part of the business. Um, so in between fishing, you know, I'm taking folks out kayaking. I'm taking them out moose safari. Um, I'm also, um, then comes the fall time, you know, I'm doing moose hunts, deer hunts, um, partridge, which most people in the United States call it rough grouse. Um, so I'm doing a little of everything. I'm trying to immerse myself into everything I know how to do and share it with other folks that um, of all walks of life. So it's really cool because you're diverse enough, especially out in, you know, where you're out in Middle Maine, where you can do all this kind of variety of stuff. Um, how long have you been doing it full-time where that's your full-time, your only means of employment? I'm going on five years. So relatively still new. It is. Um, when I first started, um, I was uh, I would substitute teaching. Uh, you know, so K through second grade, I was doing some subbing. Um, I do. I keep myself busy uh, building my lodge, which we launched April first. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So I did a lot of the uh, the work myself. I did the heating, the air conditioning, the flooring, the plumbing. Electrical, I did a lot of that myself and to save money, but um, it was a good learning experience and, uh, you know, it gave me really good, um, in the wintertime, it gave me something to work on. So right now I'm at the point of, um, you know, growing my business. So I am, I am year-round employed. Um, it's a tough nut to crack when you're just starting out, um, but I'm just keeping myself immersed in that and trying to apply myself, uh, getting folks you know, letting people know what I do and where I'm doing it. Um, and so far, so good. So I'm um, just keep my fingers crossed. And, of course, I have a lot of help from a lot of great people. Um, our fishing network, There's I'm getting help from just everybody you can possibly name, very supportive. They're either coming to see me or they're supporting me through social media. Yeah, that's one thing I found with the whole fishing community is it's it really is tight. You know, if you reach out to somebody, well, they support each other. And I think if one person succeeds, we're all kind of coming along. Yeah, I, I find it a really, really close-knit family where, um, you know, we all have the same 
passion. You know, we're all sharing that same passion. We want to see everybody succeed. So as much as I want to see myself succeed, I want to see, you know, I want to see fish nerds. I want to see go fish Dan. I want to see, uh, you know, uh, main tuna fishing.com. I want to see everybody succeed at their business and whatever we can do to help each other out and grow together is, uh, that's my goal. Yeah, that's a it's a really really nice thing to to be doing, and it's one thing I've always really liked about the industry. And I'm learning more now that I'm a guide. I'm I'm learning more about that. Um, so you now you're making your full time living at that, which is really exciting and and not common. I mean, most people I know who guide have to supplement a lot. What do you do in your downtime? Well, I'm a downtime. I'm, a, I'm repairing, I'm marketing. Uh, I'm going out, literally hitting the streets and selling myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a part of that is promoting the state of Maine, you know, through the visitors bureau for the Maine Highlands, Mm -hmm. as you know, I'm part of that. So, um, I'm trying to, you know, help the state in general, just get people, Hey, this is the last frontier in the Northeast, you know, come, come to Maine and enjoy what we have. It really Um, is. What is your, what is your number one? Like if, if you were to give like one piece of marketing advice to a new guide, what would that be? I think the best thing anybody can do is, first of all, on their business model, I mean, you have to have customer service skills. You have to, um, you know, if you're just starting out in your marketing, get yourself out there, talk to people. Uh, Word of mouth is your best advertisement. Um, I find that word of mouth for me is is, is actually the best. So, um, you know, customer service skills, really, uh, marketing is you're going to sell yourself if you can have those people skills to talk to people, find out what they want, listen to what they're trying to get out of their experience with you. Um, and then, you know, be honest with them. If you can't do it, you can't do it. If you can do it, uh, or there's limitations, you need to be honest, forthright with people. Um, I feel like that's the best role, the best model to have. Um, and you know, somebody's willing to uh, do something that you've never done before. You want to do it. And that's, that's great too. As long as you, you know, you both have that understanding. Um, there's just so much out there to do and so much to learn. So as a guide, you know, you're going out there, you're hitting the streets, but you're, you know, you're talking to people, you're selling yourself. So as far as marketing goes, uh, that's, that's really a, uh, a way to be, um, social media. Um, you got to look at everybody as a potential, you know, customer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could be gassing up your vehicle at the gas pump and somebody will come up to you and go, Oh, Hey, that's a really nice boat. Um, and you start talking about boats and the first thing you know, they're booking a trip with you, which is, which is what you want. Exactly. We, we want that. But I mean, the, I guess the moral of the story is that, you know, don't discount any possibility out there, uh, when you're out in the public or you're at a social event or wherever, um, you know, um, and, you know, negativity, stay away from any types of negativity out there, uh, whether it be social media, no matter what. I, I try not to even talk about politics on, on social media. Yeah, it's a tough um, divide. I've been struggling I, with that myself. <laughs> so, well, I, I yeah. just think that if we just – I know when people look at you, you know, oh, you have the perfect life because you're keeping things so positive. Well, you know, everybody has their um, – their struggles, you know what I mean? Sure. I mean, it's not easy, you know, uh, I, I'm fortunate that I have a great support system. You know, I have a, my wife, I owe everything to, I have two wonderful kids, you know, they're supportive and they're enthusiastic. Uh, so I'm very blessed. I'm very thankful. Um, but any advice I can give a, a new guide is, 
um, obviously, you know, do what you're comfortable with and what you really know. That's how you should start. Um, and then, you know, as you progress and you get more confident, you, you build your, your skill set, um, then you can add on to what you do. I, I've been very fortunate because I had a mentor in my life. I had a, you know, I had a master main guide, which is my uncle. Um, he was my, uh, my mentor and I've learned so much from him, um, and how to be in the outdoors, uh, appreciate everything it has to offer. And he just gave me a great skill set. Um, working is- in corporate America for 30 years, uh, that developed my customer service skills. So it's a, it's a, it's a matter of building, you know, the, the, uh, the, the knowledge that you get out in the woods with your customer service skills. Um, it takes, you know, salesmanship. It takes, you got yes. I, I didn't mention the fact too, uh, the more you can fix on your own, the more you can uh, work on your own stuff. Obviously you're going to save money. You're going to make yourself successful at doing that as well. That's perfect. Now, uh, if, one more question for you, because, uh, I'm curious about this myself, and I'm kind of getting started off. And I got flyers, I got a Facebook page, I've been hitting the pavement, talking to people, I'm doing fishing seminars, all this kind of stuff to get the word out. And I'm looking at spending money on marketing. If I was going to spend money, where's the best place for you? Where's been the best place to spend money on marketing your business? Well, obviously, you know, you really have a have to have a good brochure, and you have to have a good website, right? I think those are. Pretty much the basic fundamentals of, of starting a business. Um, so I, I, you know, if you can't do your own website, find somebody that can help you, or have somebody do it if you can afford to do that. Um, you know, create a really good uh, brochure that's going to really um, give you a positive image, because that brochure, when it gets into the hands of somebody, you know, that's what's talking to them. So have a really good brochure. Have a really good website. Um, have a good form of communication with your customers. My customers call me direct. They want a trip. They call me right on my cell phone. I'm a small businessman. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a one-man band. So um, I pride myself on personalized customer service. So if you have a guy that's not working for somebody else, he's working for himself. I think, in my opinion, um, what's been successful for me is to be able to uh, relate to people on a one-on-one basis and have that open line of communication with your customers. Perfect. And where can people, if I'm going to Maine, I want to book you, where do I find you? You can find me on social media. You can find me on the web at twinmapleoutdoors.com. You just put Twin Maple Outdoors in the browser and, and uh, I should pop right up for you. Um, I have a you know a good bio on my website. People can learn a little bit about my background. You know, what, what sparked me on becoming a guide? What's my background? You know, where did I learn where did I learn all this stuff from? Um, so so that's what I mean about a good website. So you can contact me at two oh seven nine oh seven nine one five one. Perfect. Um, and we will put links me. we'll put links on all at fishners.com to of course to you. And um, so my hope is that people who want to become a guide are following along with the series I put together on how to become a fishing guide. Are you open to new guides emailing you or reaching out on social media and asking for advice and opinions on stuff? Actually, I, I get that all the time, Clay, um, and I, I absolutely welcome that. Because okay, um, I'll be calling you. That... <laughs> 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 no, I, I do, and, I, and if I don't know something, I, I'll, you know, I'll tell that person, hey, I don't know that, but I can see if I can find out, um, and, or put them in touch with the, the proper resource to find out the information. 
Uh, I certainly don't know everything, but what I what I do know, I'm more than happy to share with people. Hey, perfect. Hey, thank you so much. And again, go to twinmapleoutdoors.com or fishners.com and you can get links to Richard's stuff. So, perfect. So that's it. You've listened to a couple of fish nerds when you could have been, should have been, fishing. We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while, while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and do all sorts of silly things that nerds do. If you l- would like to support fish nerds, you can go to patron.com and search for fish nerds and help us crowdfund this podcast. Special thanks to Tim Moore from timmoreoutdoors.com, Richard Yvonne from Twin Maple Outdoors. And, of course, Nate Hill, WhiteMountainFlyFishing.com. Nate, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd. Spawn early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. Swim against the current every chance you get. (laughs) 